Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for God's Word. Come on, you can do better than that. Um... Hey, have you ever noticed by a show of hands how hard, there's some things in life it's just hard to get over. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, for instance, like uh, someone in the back raised two hands. Uh, for instance, um, your first crush, you know, whenever, they, whenever, whenever you fall in love with that person and then they break up with you. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I remember my first crush was with a girl named Mandy. That's such an 80s white girl name, isn't it? Mandy. If your name is Mandy, God bless you. My name is Jason. That's an 80s white dude name. But I, I fell in love with this girl named Mandy. This was my first crush. And uh, after about three weeks, she, she crushed me. She, she broke up with me for my brother. <clears throat> yeah, I'm still in counseling for that, okay? It crushed me and it was so hard to get over it. You know how I got over it? I would go home uh, to, to, to my bedroom and I would shut the door. My mom thought I was so depressed. I would lay on my, I had a water bed. This is the 80s. I lay on my water bed crying, face sticking to the mattress. Some of you in here, you're too young to know what a water bed is. It's all right. Ask your parents. Had my water bed, thought I was all that. And I remember I would lay on that bed, listen to Mariah Carey. I'll be there. Y'all don't even know. But I got over it. It took me a while, but I got over it. There's just some things that are hard to get over. Like, you know, when you find a food or find a hair in your food at a restaurant, that's just hard to get over that. Now, now let me ask you this. How many of you in here, uh, you're one of those type of people that you will just pick that hair out of your food and just keep on eating? How many of you in here? You people need, you are crazy. We're going to have altar ministry right after this service for you. You're disgusting. You need Jesus. I can't get over it. If I see something in my food like that, it's just like, that's off limits. I, I just get up and walk out of the restaurant. <laughs> or when you see something dirty in a kitchen that should not be there when you're at a restaurant and, and you see something crawling in there and you're like, this is just not right. It's hard for me to get over some things. Uh, I remember the first baby that we had in our family. I remember I was in the delivery room. That was very much a challenge for me to get over that moment. That, that changed my life. My wife wants me to be in there for this third one. I'm like, I don't know if I can do another one of those, okay? I don't know if I can do it. It's just some things that are hard to get over in our life. But what I've discovered is that one of the hardest things to get over is when someone has hurt you. When someone has wounded you or offended you or betrayed you or stabbed you in the back, have you ever been hurt before? Have you ever been wounded by someone before? Maybe a close family member, maybe it was a coworker, maybe it was a peer, one of your friends, maybe it was even your best friend. Have you ever wondered this? Have you ever wondered why is it so hard when someone wounds us, hurts us, betrays us? Why is it so hard to get over it? Why is that? See, our natural propensity is to harbor this offense and this hurt and this pain, and we just won't let it go. It's not natural for us to let it go. As humans, in our carnality, it is just the, the propensity is to hold on to it, to hold a grudge, and to not let go. Why is that? Have you ever wondered that? Why is that? And I assume that it's probably this, because when someone has hurt you, what happens is, is they've accrued a debt in your mind because you feel like they have taken something from you. You feel like you've been robbed of something. Offense is a debt being accrued and you feel like they have stolen something from you. Let me give you some examples. When someone's been sexually abused, this sense that your innocence was robbed from you. Some of you in here, unfortunately, because of the world, the broken world we live in, you know what I'm talking about. 
when you've been sexually abused, there's this sense that, that something was stolen, your innocence, your purity was stolen from you. And the enemy creeps in and he whispers in a wound and he makes you feel like you're now dirty and you're no longer innocent and makes you feel the shame and you feel like that person stole that from you. When your parents divorce, you get this sense that you were robbed of a normal childhood. When a friend betrays you, there's a sense that you were taken advantage of. And, and when someone talks about you behind your back, there's a sense that the respect that you deserve was robbed from you. Offense produces a hurt and that hurt creates a debt and someone has to pay for it. And I think that's why we call it payback is that they've accrued a debt in our mind and someone has to pay for our pain that we've been caused and it shouldn't be us, they should pay for it. It's payback. So what is forgiveness? Write this down. Forgiveness is simply canceling a debt. That's what forgiveness is. It's simply canceling a debt. You're saying you don't owe me anymore. You're canceling the debt that has been accrued because of the pain. Now, here's, here's what I know, is that some of you in here, you're like, but Jason, you don't know my story. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know the pain that, that, that I've felt. You don't know the tears that I've cried. Why should I forgive them? They don't deserve it. They deserve to hurt the way that they have hurt me. Some of you, you've felt this pain before. And let me give you two good reasons that I think that the Bible calls us to forgive. Here's the first one. Because forgiveness, it actually, it hurts you. Unforgiveness actually hurts you, excuse me. Unforgiveness, it actually, the greatest victim, whenever we choose not to forgive someone, the greatest victim is actually, it's ourself. We become the greatest victim. Unforgiveness turns to bitterness and bitterness brings, it brings trouble into our life. Look what Hebrews chapter 12 says. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Here's a few things that I think that the writer is trying to say is number one is that bitterness, it is, it's poisonous. It literally, bitterness, unforgiveness, when someone has accrued a debt and they've hurt you and you're holding on to it, bitterness is a poison. It is toxic to our souls. It actually hurts us. We think that if we hold on to it and we make them pay, we make them pay for what they've done to us, that, that it's actually going to hurt them, but it actually, in the process, it hurts us. Joyce Meyer, uh, she said this, she says, bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Have you ever noticed that bitter people are just no fun to be around? You know any bitter people? Do you have any, don't raise your hand. That would be so awkward if you're sitting next to them, right? Bitter people, it's just, it's, it's true. It, it permeates every area of their life. A bitter person is a toxic person and you know it. You can hear it by the words that they speak. You, you can be around a person that has been hurt and that has been, that, that has been offended by someone, that has been betrayed by someone, and it, it permeates their conversations. Uh, whenever they, they're under pressure, it comes out. Bitterness is toxic. It is a poison, and it troubles our soul. Notice he also says this in Hebrews. He says that it's a, a poisonous root, and it grows. See, bitterness will always grow. It will never stay. No matter how small the offense was, if you never deal with it, eventually it will deal with you. It'll begin to grow in our soul. It'll be, begin to choke the life out of us. That's what bitterness does. And here's, here's why I know this. Because I used to be one of the most bitter young men you would ever meet. My, my parents were in the ministry. They were pastors. And, um, and life was pretty good growing up in church. I mean, it, my parents were very blessed and uh, we had a lot of great people in our church that loved us, but my dad was a very broken individual. 
he grew up in a home where his, his mother, he was very poor and his mother uh, was promiscuous. His parents were divorced and his mother would go out at night and go to different bars and come home at night and bring a different man home every other night. And because they were poor, my dad actually, they had a two bedroom house with three brothers and a sister. And my dad would sleep. He was the, he was the youngest there. He would sleep at the end of my grandmother's bed on a cot. And she would bring these men home late at night and he would pretend like he was asleep because he was so ashamed and so embarrassed and she would be with these different men. And that began to scar my father as a young man. I never knew that. And he never dealt with it. And so later it resurfaced in his life and he became very paranoid about his own wife, about my mom. And he became physically abusive and emotionally abusive. And, and then he uh, began to do the very thing that, that he thought my mom was gonna do. He began to have affairs. My dad had seven different affairs when I was growing up, some with people that worked at our church. And my family totally, it fell apart when I was 14 years old. And I became so bitter, as you can imagine. I began to hate my dad. I hated my mom because she kept going back to my dad. I began to hate the church because I thought the church was the problem, why my dad fell into the sin that he fell into. And then ultimately I began, became bitter at God because I thought, God, if you would ever allow something like this to happen to me, I haven't done anything. Our family was a perfectly fine family and you've allowed this. I began to get bitter at God. I became a very bitter and broken person. And what happened is, is my bitterness began to take root in my soul and it began to grow. And then here's how I began to medicate that pain. I became a very violent and angry young man. I remember being 15 years old and I was at this party and I saw this guy. I don't even know what got into me. I was a, I was a lover, not a fighter. And I see this guy and I just took off running this guy and I just started fight, like hitting this guy, just beat this guy up. I ran around the side of the house and I began to weep and cry because here's what I recognized in that moment. When I caused pain, it made me feel better. I was bitter and I was broken and it began to trouble my soul because I never dealt with it. I became a very hurt person and the realization eventually came like this. I began to, to come to terms with the fact of a truth that I always heard my mom and dad say that hurt people hurt people. That because I was bitter and broken and hurt, I began to go around hurting people. And for the next four or five years, I went around hurting girls in relationships. I went around hurting uh, guys. I would, I, would, I would get in fights almost every other night because I was so bitter and so broken and so angry. And it was, it was in my soul. It wasn't just something that I was going around doing. It became who I was. I became a bitter and a broken person. Here's the cycle that I've seen in my own life and in other people's lives in 17 years of doing ministry. We get hurt, then we get bitter, then we start to feel resentment, then we get angry, and then we start to hurt other people, and then they get bitter, and then they start to resent, and then they get angry. It's a cycle and it perpetuates even in the body of Christ when we don't deal with our hurt. If you don't forgive the person that has hurt you, here's what I've learned. The one you resent, you'll eventually resemble. If you don't forgive the person, some of you need to hear this right now, I'm telling you this. There's someone right now that you that you resent because of the hurt that they've done to you. And if you don't forgive them, cancel the debt, then the one you resent, you'll eventually resemble. I learned this the hard way because I became just like my father. I was so bitter and so mad at him and so I just hated him so much that eventually the very person I resented, I began to resemble and I fell into the cycle. And this is exactly how the enemy works in our lives. So why should you forgive? Because unforgiveness hurts you. 
Here's a second reason why, and I love this one. Because you will need forgiveness again one day, can somebody say amen? Why should you forgive? Because you're gonna need some forgiveness again one day. You, you can believe that. You can put some money on that right there. Matthew chapter six. Let me read you a few scriptures just to underscore this idea. Matthew six, Jesus says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. It goes on, it says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, to the same measure as, have forgiven our debtors, those that have sinned against us. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to pray that prayer? Lord, will you forgive me in the same way that I forgive other people? Lord, will you cancel my debt in the same way I cancel the debt of those that accrue a debt by hurting me and offending me? Lord, will you forgive me the same way I forgave my dad? Lord, will you forgive me the same way I forgave my sibling that abused me? Lord, will you forgive me the same way um, I have forgiven my boss after firing me? God, will you forgive me the same way that I have forgiven that spiritual leader that spiritually abused me and hurt me and manipulated me? God, will you forgive me? Are we truly willing to pray prayers like that. God, to the same measure and degree that I have forgiven others, I pray that you would forgive me to that standard. And I'm preaching better than you're saying amen, but Mark chapter 11, it goes like this. But when you are saying, it says, when you are praying, Jesus says, when you pray, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now listen, let me be crystal clear here be clear because those scriptures, you can begin to think that, that God's grace and forgiveness is conditional, but God's grace cannot be conditional or it would not be grace at all. Grace is like throwing your own surprise party. Once you plan the surprise, it's no longer a surprise. And once you earn grace, it's no longer grace. Some of you are like, wait, what? Can you say that again? No, I can't. I don't even know what I just said, but it sounded great. Let me be crystal clear. I'm not saying that God's forgiveness is conditional. Listen to me. Jesus went to the cross. He paid for our sins. He laid his life down fully, freely, and finally for us. And all we have to do is put our faith and trust in what Jesus has done. And we receive by faith the forgiveness of God. So there are no conditions to his forgiveness. But what I do think that what the scriptures are trying to say and what Jesus was trying to, trying to communicate is this, is there is an expectation that Jesus has. Jesus' expectation is this, is that forgiven people forgive people, is that if hurt people hurt people, Jesus says, here's what I, I wanna teach you is this, is that forgiven people forgive people. Those that have experienced grace extend grace. This should mark kingdom people. This should mark churches. This should mark Christians. We as followers of Jesus, because we've experienced the grace of God through the person Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, how he has paid for our debt, the debt that we accrued by our sin, that when we, we, we fully see that and we see who Jesus is and how he paid for our debt and he extends grace to us, giving us what we don't deserve, then we take a posture towards other people that accrue debts towards us and we give people what they don't deserve. Grace, grace. See, we should be people of grace. Grace is getting what you deserve the least, but you need the most. And you and I, we've experienced that. Hurt people hurt people, but forgiven people forgive people. Here's a story that changed, a uh, statement that changed my life. I was deeply, deeply wounded by a spiritual leader in my life. Some of you in here, this is your story. It's just, it takes courage for you just to step foot in a door like this and to come into a church because of how bad you've been hurt by spiritual leaders. 
And I get that. I can relate to that. But I had a spiritual leader that really hurt me, that really wounded me. And I just thought, I'll never trust pastors and spiritual leaders again. And I remember sitting down with this guy named John Gray. I don't know if you know who that is. John actually went to high school here. And John's a dear friend of mine. And I remember sitting down with John one day after a spiritual leader deeply hurt me. Let me down. I was very wounded, very hurt. And I remember John saying, he, John didn't even know what I was feeling or what had even happened with this spiritual leader. And John, just kind of in the way that John just says, he drops bombs all the time. Not like curse words, but like spiritual bombs. They're like, just impact your life. Like he just says them like it's no big deal. He was, he was taking like a, a bite of some food and he just stopped and he goes, you know what we should do? We should extend the grace we hope we someday never need and took a bite of food. As if he was saying, you need to eat that for a moment. You need to chew on that for a moment. We should extend the grace we hope or pray we someday never need. I remember going back to my hotel room and I just bawled my eyes out crying because I realized that my spiritual leader failed me and let me down. Why? Because he's not Jesus. He's human. And God was calling me to extend the grace I hope I someday never need. So how do we do it? How do we forgive? How do we forgive? This is, hopefully you've gotten to the point where you're like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I need to forgive people. And if you're here today, you need to forgive people. And if you're saying, I'm not bitter, this message doesn't apply to me. Just wait, someone's gonna hurt you. That's not a prophetic word, it's just life. Someone's gonna hurt you. Someone's gonna say something behind your back. Something's gonna happen and you're gonna need this message. So I'm not preaching to, to you today. I'm preaching to you in five years. This is a sermon that you will need. I pray that God will just plant it deep in your heart and one day when you need it, you'll remember this beautiful guy from San Francisco. How do you forgive? How do you do it? You say, I want to, because some of you, this is where you're at. You're like, Jason, I, I, you don't think I don't want to forgive? I, I'm tired of being bitter like this. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting the way that I lead my children. I want to forgive, but how? I don't know how. I've tried. Is there a switch, a forgiveness switch? I can just switch? How do I do it? Thank you for asking that question because Jesus teaches us how. Matthew chapter five, he says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I got a new standard, Jesus says. I want you to love your enemies to which we just, we go, what? Love my enemies? Jesus says, yeah, this is the way of my kingdom. We love our enemies. We bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and pray. I'll pray for them. I'll pray they get hemorrhoids. That's what I'll pray. <laughs> Me to pray? Bless, love? Like, what is this? Jesus, <laughs> you're calling us to do something that is so counterintuitive and so countercultural. This is so backwards. Exactly. Jesus is, is saying, this is a transformational culture I'm wanting you to establish. I'm wanting you to live in such a way where when people hurt you, you love them, you bless them, you pray for them, you serve them. This is what my kingdom is about. This is what I'm about. You wanna know what Jesus is? Jesus loves his enemies. Jesus serves his enemies. That's you and I. We were enemies of the cross and yet he died for us. He serves us, he prays for us, he blesses us. He, he shows us mercy and he says, this is the way of my kingdom. I want you to love your enemies. But Jesus, you don't know what they did. He says, I know what they did to you. I want you to love them. I want you to bless them. And when you do this, your community will become so attractional. 
Your life will become so beautiful, Jesus says, when you do this. Here's the first thing. I'm gonna give you just two steps. How do we do what he's saying here? How do we love? How do we, how do we bless? How do, how do we serve? How do we pray? How do we do this? Because this is against our nature. Step one is this, is you have to choose grace over grudges. I underline choose in my notes because this is, this is, this is, this is the thing right here is that forgiveness is not an emotion, it's a decision. I'm so thankful that God didn't wait till he just felt like forgiving us, but he said, I make a decision to cancel the debt. See, forgiveness is a choice. It's not like we wait till we feel like there's been enough time, I've healed, and now I can forgive. No, the Bible says that we just make a decision to forgive, to cancel debts. It's a choice. What I've discovered is if you, if you let your, le- your emotions and your feelings be leaders, they will lead you into some very dark places because feelings are bad leaders. They're great followers. So we make a decision to forgive someone and then we allow our feelings to catch up with the decision that we've made to extend grace to people. That's what we have to do. We live lives like this. It sounds catchy, I know, but listen, what does that look like practically? Forgiveness starts when you make a decision. I choose to forgive him. I choose to forgive her and we extend grace. Listen, grace is the face that love wears when it encounters its enemies. We bless those that curse us. In other words, don't retaliate. Don't curse back. Don't slander. Don't jab behind their back. Don't drag them in mud. Bless them. Find something good to say about them. Talk about people behind their back, but with honor. Bless people behind their back. Do good and serve those that hate you. What does that mean? Man, do good, buy them a coffee. That person at work that you hate, show up with a coffee. That's a game changer. You show up with coffee at my work, I'm just gonna, I may kiss you on your forehead. It's the nectar of the prophets. I love coffee. You don't like your boss? Listen, write him a card. Find something to honor and to be nice. Bless those that curse you. Serve those, do good to those that hate you. Show love to people. Listen, you've heard it once said, kill them with kindness. I say, heal them with kindness. Heal yourself with kindness by extending it to people. I think about this guy that was mad at me the other day. He was so mad at me because I gave him some feedback. I gave him some feedback because he's a friend. And I told him, I was like, you don't need to do this. Stop posting pictures of yourself because you look like a narcissist, okay? Don't do that. I didn't say it that rude. I said it more pastorally. Can I be a friend? Feedback is your friend, you know? Stop posting pictures of yourself. And um, he got mad at me, got really mad at me and uh, basically hung up in my face. Every day in the morning at noon and at the evening, I text him, I love you so much. Every morning, every day at noon, every night, I love you. After about 10 days, he said, "Ah, fine, I love you too. But I remember at first I wanted, because of some things he said to me, I wanted to get mad at him. And I felt like God said, just show him love, bless him, serve him. And, and send him a gift, so I did. It was great. I think about this for my, practically for my dad. My dad, as I told you, he, he really hurt me, wounded me very bad. And God had been dealing with me about forgiving my dad. And the way he did was with this scripture. I was coming back from Lima, Peru on a mission trip. I was already a pastor, but I still had not talked to my dad or reconciled. Um, we had not spoken in five years. And I was a pastor. And I was flying back from Peru and I read Ephesians chapter four, which we read earlier, the text. And when I read it, um, what I saw was where it says, 
I want you to forgive. So get rid of your anger, your bitterness, unforgiveness. I want you to forgive just as your heavenly father through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. And God's begin to speak to me. He says, Jason, here's why you can't forgive your dad. Because you're focusing on what he has done and not on what I have done. He said, you, you, you have fixed your focus on what your father has done to you instead of fixing your focus on what Jesus has done for you. Because the standard, Jesus is our standard for forgiveness, if you want a title for this. Listen, Jesus becomes, in Paul's words, the standard by which we begin to view our forgiveness. We say, I'm not gonna focus on what my dad's done or he's done or she's done. I'm gonna focus on what Jesus has done. And out of that, I'm gonna begin to allow my heart to fill with the grace of God. And then I'm gonna forgive from that. So essentially your point of reference shifts from what they have done to what Jesus has done. You fix your focus on Jesus. And as you fix your focus on Jesus, it begins to flood your heart with love and gratitude and grace. And God said this to me, he said, Jason, I'm calling you to forgive your dad. And if you can't forgive your dad, listen to me. He said, you're gonna have a lid on your leadership and you're never gonna go to the next level. Some of you, this is where you're at because you've harbored unforgiveness and you feel like there's a, a, like a glass ceiling above you and you're not growing. It's because you haven't lifted the lid. You haven't re released grace. Listen, when you release grace, grace releases you. And I remember God said, Jason, how are you gonna be in the business of, of grace and not actually practice grace? How are you gonna be in the profession of forgiveness and not actually practice forgiveness? Jason, you're gonna forgive your dad. And if you don't, you're gonna fill that lid on your leadership. You'll never grow beyond this place. Listen, you'll never grow beyond your unhealed scars. So I had to submit that to the Lord. And I came back and I said, all right, God, fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive my dad. You gotta show me how. Within weeks, I remember moving into a house. And as I was unpacking my U-Haul, I see my dad riding through my neighborhood with his new wife on their bicycles, their little cruisers. My dad was living five houses down from the house I was moving into. Talk about ironic. Thanks God for the sign. I still, for the next, I don't know, it was a long time, I still wouldn't forgive my dad. And finally, I read this scripture that we read earlier about pray for your enemies, love your enemies. And I felt like God said this, if you can't talk to your dad, at least start praying for him first. And I committed to the next six months every day to pray for my dad and his wife. The prayers were like this at first. It was prayers through my teeth. God, I pray you bless him. Amen. But as I prayed more and more and more, you know what happened? My heart got softer. My prayers got longer. And God began to flood my heart with grace for my dad as he reminded me of how much God had forgiven me. Listen, God will never ask you to forgive somebody any more than he's already forgiven you. I began to pray. The second step is this, is you gotta fix your focus. That's what God taught me in that process. It was as if in prayer, God began to, he, it's not that like I forgot what my dad had done, but God reminded me of what Jesus had done. And as I began to pray for my dad, my focus became on, man, look how much Jesus has done in my life. How could I not forgive my dad? How could I not release grace to my dad? If God has canceled my debt, all the things that I've done, how could I not cancel his debt? And I remember there was a moment where something shifted in my life. And I said, now is the time for me to connect with my dad and to reconcile. I set up a coffee appointment with him. And whenever I went and met with him, I remember we had an hour and a half long conversation. At the end of the conversation, I said exactly what I felt like God wanted me to say to him. We were about to get in the car and I looked at my dad and I said, dad, I said, uh, debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. And my dad just began to bawl his eyes out crying, wrapped his arms around me. 
and we were reconciled in that moment and there was something, it just felt like it it lifted off of my life as I released grace to my father. For the next five or six years, I was able to have a phenomenal relationship with my dad. Earlier this year, he went to be with Jesus. But I can tell you this, that God taught me something so amazing in those moments, that if we truly believe that Jesus is a forgiver, then he calls us to a new standard that we release grace and forgiveness to other people. And I don't know who I came to preach this message to today, but God's calling some of you to release some hurt, to release some things that, some offense that you felt and some pain that you felt in your life. For some of you, it was something that happened to you when you were a child and and even this message is just bringing back those thoughts and it may even feel like it's getting worse before it's gonna get better, but that's, that's because the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to that moment, that thing in your life. And he wants you to release that, amen? Come on, why don't you bow your heads with me and I'm gonna pray over you. Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Remember the Lord forgave you. Some of you here today, you've never received that forgiveness. The forgiveness is found in Jesus. Come here today and maybe you're not at peace with God. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Truth be known, if you're candid, like if you were to, to survey your life, your life is, is, is broken. You're not at peace with God. You're away from God. But the good news is that you're, you're at a church here where people, people are, they accept you. They love you just the way that you are. And they're not judgmental. And their, their true desire is for you to come to faith in Jesus so that your sins can be forgiven, so that you can experience God's grace. You can have a fresh start and a new beginning. And it's out of that place, God will begin to transform your life And there's some of you in here today and you say, I don't know that. I've never had forgiveness of my sins. I've just been kind of doing my own thing. Maybe it's even just been a religious thing where you've just gone to church, but you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus before. Friend, today, this is a great day to say, I wanna become a follower of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just ask you this. If you say, "I, I don't know Jesus, I'm not in a relationship with him, but today I wanna make a decision to become a follower of Jesus. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to become a part of the family of God. If that's you today and you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you down to the front. But will you do this on the count of three? Will you just lift your hand up and you can put it right back down? One, you want forgiveness of your sins. Two, you want a fresh start and a new beginning. Three, come on, lift up your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are going up everywhere. Thank you. That's amazing. So beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not a prayer that saves us. It's a genuine heart towards God. It's faith in Jesus. We just say say something like this in your own heart. Just say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I ask you for a fresh start and a new beginning in life. I invite you to come into my life and to transform me and to change me. Jesus, I wanna follow you. I know I can't do that in my own strength, but in your strength, I know I can follow you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. 
If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.